Welcome back to the Brand Builders Love Podcast. It's awesome to have you here. We're at episode 132 and today I am talking with Alex Solo from Sprint Law all about some of the key and basic things you need to get in place legally when it comes to your small business. I really enjoyed this chat with him. I think this is something that we need to talk about more. I think it's something that as a small business, you need to look at and make sure that you are covered in a way that you really want to be and that's going to protect your business for now and the future. So let's dive in. Welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. I'm your host, Suze Chadwick, founder, author, speaker, and bold branding and business coach. Right here on this podcast, you'll learn how to create an epic brand, profitable business, get marketing savvy, and we'll help you find the confidence to step up as the CEO to scale and grow. Ready? Let's go. Hey, hey, welcome back. It is awesome to have you here as always. Thanks for dropping by and hanging with me in your little earbuds, if that's what you're listening on. Uh, So today, as I said, we are talking all about getting some of the legal stuff in your business sorted. Now, this episode actually comes from a conversation that I was having with some of my BBA ladies and also on Instagram, where a number of people said that they either were worried about putting stuff out there, as in their work, because it had been copied before or they were worried about it being copied. Somebody else was also telling me that as a designer, she would design things and she had seen other local businesses here in Australia that basically just copied exactly what she had done. And she does custom designs for clients as well. And so we were really talking about what is your legal... I guess, stance, what is the protection that you can have? What are the things that you need to think about? And so I just thought this was such a good episode because we've not talked about this before. We have talked about trademarks before, which was episode 97, the ins and outs of trademarks with Lisa Wynn. So you can go check that out. But I really wanted to talk about some of the other basic things. I have got a new program coming out. It will be a 12-month high-level coaching program called Brand Leaders Accelerator. And so I am getting Sprint Law, who are on the podcast today to do a couple of things for me. So they're going to be redoing the terms and conditions on my website, my privacy policy, as well as a custom contract for that particular program. And so when I spoke to them, I just felt like they were really easy to deal with. Uh, And I love the fact, and we talk about it in the episode, I love the fact that they're like, you know, we really take into account your brand voice and make sure that it's not all legal jargon, but that it reads in a way that you would speak or that you want your customers to have that brand experience when they're dealing with you. And obviously your legals, your policies, your terms and conditions, your contracts, etc., are all part of your brand experience. And so there's really no reason why it can't align with the rest of your brand voice, tone, personality, brand experience, etc. So I think that that's a really important thing as well. So today we're going to be talking about some of the things to really think about 
If you've not thought about it, I would highly recommend that you do. We are living absolutely in a digital world where the majority of us are selling online. I would say 90% of us are selling online, taking online payments, etc. So you have to have the right terms and conditions, privacy, the right legals to make sure that you are protecting yourself as well as your customers as well. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I really want you to start to think about what you need to do. And it can just be the basics. It's just making sure that you've got the key things in place that need to be in place. And we've listed some resources in the show notes for this episode as well, which you can find at suzechadwick.com forward slash pod one three two. So make sure that you go check that out as well. And Sprint Law have got some great resources, free resources for you. Now, before we dive in, I want to let you know about a new masterclass and live webinar that I'm going to be running on November the 20th and the 24th, all about how you can become a bold and powerful voice in your industry. So all you have to do is go to suzechadwick.com forward slash bold voice and sign up to one of those webinars. You know, over the last month or so, I've been sharing with you some of the key things you can start to really do to get your message out there, to step up and be that bold and powerful voice in your industry so that you can start to build your brand reputation, create and have more of an impact and really attract the type of clients that you want whilst sharing that message that I know you think and is so important as well. So head to suzechadwick.com forward slash bold voice. And I would love to see you live on one of those webinars in the next couple of weeks. But listen, without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode with Alex Solo from Sprint Law. Alex, welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Now, Alex, I have to be honest with you. I had some of my community that have been complaining is probably a good word, bringing to my attention some of the legal issues that they're having out in the world. And and I uh, approached Sprint Law, which is your business, to do some contracts, terms and conditions and everything for me. And I thought, what great timing to actually get you on the podcast to talk all things legal in small business. Yes, uh, that's um, that's the story of most of, of the of the clients that we deal with. They've had lots of legal headaches and, and they uh, decide to have a Google and kind of find us. So very used to all that. Awesome. So for those of my audience that don't know you, do you want to tell us a little bit about Sprint Law and how you ended up where you are now? For sure. So Sprint Law is uh, a, a sort of new type of law firm uh, designed for startups and small businesses. And our whole mission is to make legal services easy, accessible, affordable uh, for, for startups and small businesses. Um, so we're a fairly young business. We started in 2017. Um, so my background is, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a lawyer, um, but also a, a sort of techie type person. So um, I worked for several years at one of the big corporate law firms, Clayton Utes, as a technology lawyer. And before that, uh, used to run a small sort of web development, app development agency, uh, which I started back in sort of 2009 and ran for a few years and, and then sold that and, and sort of became a lawyer. Uh, and the genesis of the business was sort of having worked with small businesses in the, in the technology sector and then moving across to the legal sector. 
I realized that, uh, you know, there's this um, massive disconnect between those two industries. Lawyers are, are scared of technology and, and scared of doing things efficiently. Um, obviously, they have this reputation for uh, charging you as much as possible uh, to do uh, very little. And so um, kind of saw the opportunity to, to combine the worlds and build using technology a, a better type of legal provider. And particularly, uh, you know, as um, I'd sort of dealt with the small business community before, um, realized that, uh, you know, that part of the market is the, is the market is, 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 you know, the, the, the segment that's least serviced by legal services. Um, small businesses, you know, don't want to know about what legals are. They, they seem like a headache and they seem too complicated. Uh, and there was a study that, that we sort of uh, looked at just before we started the business that, that showed that something like 75 or 80% of small businesses weren't seeing a legal, uh, uh, seeing a legal provider or a lawyer when they had a legal problem. And so, you know, for us, it was like, well, this is a massive community of, of people that are not consuming legal services and it's because it's too expensive, too time consuming and, and a massive headache. Uh, so we had this idea that we could build a, a better type of legal provider for those businesses using technology that solved, solved those problems. Um, so I met my co-founder, Tomo, at, at Clayton Utes. We were both lawyers and both techie people, and we sort of plotted the business for a little bit and then launched it in 2017 and um, have been growing uh, ever since. Um, so we now have, I think, 1,500 clients and a team of 30, and it's, wow. it's all growing and, and going very well. Yeah. Amazing. Well, congrats on that, first of all. <laughs> That's so good. And what have you sort of been seeing as far as the clients that you've got? Because that's obviously a lot. Are there specific things that you're focusing on or that you do in particular for small businesses? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, we work with small businesses across all industries, really. We probably in the early days worked more with technology and online businesses and sort of smaller freelancer type businesses. But now we're kind of working across all industries from you know, cafes and restaurants to consulting businesses, um, you know, to, to, to whatever. But um, I think uh, regardless of industry, uh, small businesses tend to have a similar set of problems. Um, you know, first of all, there's the problems when you're, you're sort of setting up a business. So knowing how to set up a business, knowing what you need to do, what the steps are and how to get legally protected. And then um, there's the stuff around sort of employees and employment stuff. So um, you're starting to take on your first staff or contractors. What do you need to do? Uh, what do you need to comply with? There's the intellectual property stuff. How do I protect my name or my brand? Um, how do I protect my copyright or whatever it is? Uh, and then um, for, for particularly for the startup clients we have, which are probably um, a segment of, 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 the, of the client base, they uh, you know, will be doing capital raising and dealing with investors. And so we do that kind of legal work as well. So those are probably the main areas. There's some other stuff like lease reviews and sort of corporate law that we do. But yeah, those would be the main areas. Fantastic. And have you seen anything in particular over the last 12 months or so? Obviously, it's been, you know, interesting to say the least. But have you seen anything that's trending right now or that people are struggling with or finding issues with more? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, when COVID first uh, hit, um, we expected there to be a whole bunch of uh, people, um, you know, dealing with the, the, the sort of... Um, stressful side of business and law, like uh, needing to let employees go and working out how to wind down the business or deal with insolvencies. And there was certainly a little bit of a trend of that in maybe uh, March and April. Uh, but in May, June, July this year, um, we've seen actually a massive growth in new businesses. There's a lot of people starting companies, a lot of people going e-commerce, doing things online, 
you know, offline businesses wanting to start selling products online, offline service providers wanting to, to deliver services online. And so we've been helping out a lot with, uh, you know, online contracts, e-commerce T's and C's, privacy policies, uh, online service agreements uh, and those sorts of things and helping modify business models to go online and also just people starting new businesses. So the normal set up a company, register your trademark and that kind of stuff. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, it's been so interesting. I mean, definitely there have been some industries like the event industry and photographers and stuff like that where there's been a decline, but a lot of businesses that we've seen have had some of their biggest months, some of, you know, almost some of their biggest years as well um, going online. And, and I think that people just being at home and not having a lot to do uh, and just shopping has been <laughs> definitely something that has been a benefit for a lot of small businesses, which I think um, was was great to see, if I'm honest, in, in such a tough time as well. So, yeah, super interesting. For sure. I think um, definitely a lot of people starting side businesses and you can see people have been, they're either at home, uh, you know, um, working remotely and going, hey, why can't I just run a business like this? And then um, they, they sort of have a Google and, and we end up helping them uh, get something set up or, um, or you know, uh, other people who maybe, maybe they've been let go from a job or, or something yeah. like that, or they're worried about the future of their employment and are thinking, well, I've been meaning to start a business for years. I've had this idea for years. Now is probably the best time to do it. And so uh, taking that leap and we kind of help them through that process as well. So yeah, certainly that's some of the trends that we've seen. Yeah. yeah so interesting. Awesome. So I guess one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on is that I do feel like this is a lot of times an afterthought. So I think that there are terms and conditions that people just find generally and may use, which obviously potentially is not going to cover them. And also it it's something that we look at maybe once there's an issue rather than sort of prevention of that issue. And so when it comes to a small business, what are some of the key things that we really should have in place that are kind of non-negotiables? For sure. I mean, I think, um, you know, uh, just to pick up on something you said there, like people, yeah, uh, think about lawyers as when things go wrong, they need to see a lawyer. But really the smart way to use legal services is to think about lawyers as people that you can use to, you know, A, be protected from risks and uh, B, also potentially used to get a good deal or get a better deal for your business. It's not just about when things go wrong. And I think um, thinking about legals at the very beginning of your business or whenever you're setting something up is a good idea. Probably the non-negotiable things, I think for any business is to, you know, first of all, think about your business structure. Um, you know, at the beginning of a business, you will decide whether you want to be a sole trader, a partnership or a company. Um, you know, maybe you've done a bit of Googling and had a bit of a thought about it. that decision. Maybe you spoke to an accountant, but there's uh, certainly uh, something worth revisiting um, regularly, particularly if you're not a company structure. So we generally recommend that any um, sort of serious small business is set up using a company structure. Uh, a company structure will give you limited liability. So it means if something goes wrong in your business, um, you know, your client or your supplier or whoever it is may be able to sue your company, your, your, your business company, but they can't come after you or your personal assets. So it's a really powerful sort of risk protection for you. Whereas if you're a sole trader uh, or, or a partnership um, and operating one of those models, uh, you're at risk if things go wrong of, of potentially uh, sort of uh, being liable. So, I mean, if it's a side hustle or it's a very low risk business, that might be okay, but um, definitely worth looking at your business structure and making sure that you've at least considered the company option if you haven't already. 
Um, the second one that I always say to, to sort of think about from the beginning is your brand. Um, you know, uh, if you are about to invest all this money in creating a brand or building a brand, uh, you want to make sure that you own the brand or you, you have the trademark for it. And um, so, for example, at Sprint Law, we registered a trademark for the name Sprint Law and for our logo. And we did that at the very, very beginning. And the process can take six or seven months to actually get it done. And, but, you know, we wanted to make sure that it was available, that no one would challenge it and that we would actually have it because we're going to spend the next X years, you know, investing and growing it. So, um, you know, the, the company structure and the trademark are the two things I think everyone should really think about from the beginning. Um, uh, there are some, some scenarios where, you know, you, you may want to be a sole trader, you may not need a trademark, but, um, but generally those are the two things we recommend. And then the third is, I think your customer contracts. So, um, you know, if you're a service provider, you have a service agreement. If you sell goods, uh, you may have a supply agreement or sale of goods agreement. Um, but, uh, you know, for, for, for most businesses or at least a lot of businesses, you probably want some form of contract with your customers. Uh, what the contract's going to do is it's going to set out what you're providing, uh, how much it costs, what happens if they don't pay, um, and but also include liability protections. If something goes wrong, the most they'll be liable for is sort of x y and z and that can come in and you know 99 of the time nothing goes wrong but in that one percent of the time if you don't have a contract in place and you don't have that company structure it can be potentially disastrous or business ending and just having the contract in place i think um is really going to help you limit those risks but then also the other advantage of having a contract is what i mentioned before about you know law not just being about risk protection but also being about getting a better deal or doing business better uh, you know, in your contract, you can sort of set out what's included in your service or included with your good and what's not included. Uh, and that this is going to stop clients asking for things that weren't included. And, uh, you know, you can also put penalties in. Um, there's some laws around them, but penalties in if people don't pay on time or have rights if people don't pay deposits for you to do certain things. And all these things are actually going to make you money if you've got them in your contract. You may not use them in court, but just having them in writing can really help with the business. So um, I guess to summarize, yeah, probably the big three are, you know, your company structure, your trademarks, and then thinking about your contracts. And there's, there's a few other things as well, but, but that'd be where, where you start. So a lot of my audience are service, service providers. Yeah. And so, you know, whether you're a web designer, copywriter, coach, whatever it is, having that contract in place is, is really important. And I think the other thing is, is that, like you said, even if you don't use it, just formalizing that agreement, I think really positions you differently in the mind of the customer that this is serious. Like, you know, these are the, this is what's been specified. And, and I think if you can go through that with your customers as well, any of the key points, like you said, you know, penalties or um, timeframes or, you know, whatever, late payments, things like that. I think that it makes the client almost sit up a bit and, just be a little bit more on the ball, especially if it is a bigger investment. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I used to run, as I mentioned, that sort of web design business and um, very aware of how scope creep happens and how many <laughs> issues you have with customers. And um, I think people think, you know, oh, this will never end up in court. So what, what's the point in having a contract? And it's true that 99% or I don't know what the figure is, 95% of small business disputes aren't going to go to court. But even in that original business I had, you know, I was always working on those terms and conditions over time and, and evolving them and, and end up with this set that um, 
just because there's something in writing, it's been agreed, it's on paper, it seems formal, you can refer to it with your customers. It's much better customer experience, leads to less disputes happening. Um, it's the, the, the sort of um, threat of legal action looming in the background that helps keep everyone to what they've promised in business. So I think um, what you said is absolutely right. And, uh, and there's a lot you can do in your contract to help with that. Yeah. And I think the other thing that I want to make a point about for my listeners as well, sometimes they might struggle with boundaries slightly and creep is absolutely, um, you know, one of one of the byproducts of not having firm boundaries. So I think if that's something that you struggle with, then obviously having that contract that you can fall back on and sort of, you know, that speaks for you. Um, can definitely, yeah, definitely help with if you struggle with, you know, the clients asking you for things and you struggling to say no to that. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's so good. And what about terms and conditions and privacy and all of that? Because that to me feels like some of the basic stuff, but I think it's really important. And so like, should people get custom terms and conditions and privacy done for their website? Or is that something that's fairly templated? Like, what do you think? For sure. I mean, yeah, we, we certainly do lots of privacy policy work and lots of website terms and conditions and things like that. I think, um, look, you know, there's templates available online to do things. And my view on templates is they're okay to use depending on where you got the template for very basic low risk stuff. But anything that's critical for your business, like your client terms and conditions or your company setup, or, or you know, if you have business partners, your partner's agreement or whatever it is, um, those things you definitely don't want to use templates for because they carry a lot of risk and the templates could be American. They might not even be Australian. Mm. They might not be fit for purpose. With website T's and C's and privacy policies specifically, um, I mean, look, like if your website is a basic information only website uh, and it just has a, a, a short description of what you do and your about page and those sorts of things, uh, a website terms and conditions, um, all it really says is, uh, you know, if you're on our website and, you know, you uh, get a virus, a computer virus, or, um, you know, you're, you click on a link and it takes you to a place and that place scams you, we're not going to be liable. So um, it has a little bit of protection, um, but uh, it's fairly templated for just like the information only site. So it's probably not a massive deal um, to see a lawyer for that if you can get a template online. With the privacy stuff, it depends. Uh, Australia's got at the moment, a decently relaxed privacy regime as compared to the rest of the world. We actually have an exception for businesses whose, I think, revenues under, I think it's $3 million or something like that. Generally, there's a requi no requirement for you to have a privacy policy on your website. So a lot of small businesses who are under that uh, revenue mark actually don't need uh, a privacy policy uh, by law. Um, but what if you're trading internationally? Uh, so yeah, that, so there's a bunch of exceptions to that yeah. And, and so one of them is what you just said. If you're dealing with uh, international customers, you're going to run into, you know, European privacy laws. Um, so uh, there's a GDPR, which yeah. you're probably aware of. So you're going to need a bit more stringent privacy requirements. If you trade in personal information, so you're uh, buying and selling um, customer data or you transmit your data to third to, to, to mis transmit your customer's data to other parties for like marketing purposes and stuff, you probably need one. If you send out marketing newsletters and people can subscribe on your website, which a lot of people do. I mean, basically you're just describing my entire audience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so. I'm like Facebook ads and email marketing systems and international customers and yeah. Okay. Well then for your client base, um, if, if that's true, uh, 
you definitely do want to think about privacy. And if if it is in that bucket, um, I think you do want to get your privacy policy done properly. Again, there's templates, but the templates, you know, are okay for the people that don't need it. But for the people that need it, it's not straightforward. Um, you know, there's different laws in different countries. There's different things you have to disclose if you are sending these marketing emails or newsletters and stuff. So, um, so yeah, I'd say important to think about. And, and the main thing you'll need is a privacy policy and some sort of disclosure on your website or a tick box or something um, that, that, that notifies people whose information you're collecting that you have one, um, but certainly something that's, that I think is quite important. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and I mean, I came I came to you guys because I've got a new coaching program coming out and wanted to have custom terms and conditions for that. So I just think, you know, where there is something that is a higher price point and you need protection, like it, having that custom um, solution that speaks to your product, how you run it, how your customers are going to engage with you specifically, I think is so important to have as well. And I think it's not something that we think about as much as we should. No, for sure. And I think um, you, it's also, you know, the exercise of, of getting it done properly with a lawyer is um, good because not only because you get the document that you get to put on your website, but also you get to chat to a lawyer and they can explain to you what it says and what it means. And that's going to help you, you know, A, explain what's in this document to customers but B, also help you understand what your legal obligations are and what you need to be doing. And so you walk away from the experience of having done it properly, uh, you know, going into business with a bit more knowledge. Um, I know when I speak to lots of small businesses, there's this um, uh, sort of uh, fear and worry in the back of their head at all times that they're breaking some sort of law. And so, uh, you know, if, if nothing else, you get a lot of peace of mind in sort of doing this stuff properly. So that's another reason to do it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and I know that some of my listeners, and this is kind of where me asking you to be on uh, came from, is that some of them are dealing with copycats uh, where, you know, it's almost like a fear of putting new things out there because it just gets ripped off fairly quickly. Uh, and I guess what are some of the things that we need to be aware of or that they can do or yeah, action that they can take. It just feels quite, I don't know, difficult. Yeah, and look, there's, there's not actually a super easy answer in terms of how to deal with, with that stuff online. Um, you know, there's, there's certainly laws around it. And I mean, the laws are, are, are basically uh, as follows. If you create original content on your website, whether it's a photo or, um, you know, text or you write an article or whatever it is, um, or, or a video that you make. And then, uh, you know, the second that you create that, you actually own copyright in it. You don't need to register it. If it's original and it's recorded in material form, it's yours. And then if somebody uses that without your permission, you could potentially um, make a claim against them for copyright infringement. So, um, so it is- And the how hard is that process? Well, well, well that's, that's sort of the issue in that, um, you know, in order to make a claim for copyright infringement, if someone, you know, overseas of unknown location and unknown uh you know you don't know where they're from you don't know what their details are um they've got no connection to australia uh you know for you to commence proceedings against against them and say uh, i'm you know i'm going to sue you for breaching my copyright it might be very difficult to do because they're going to just ignore your emails you're not going to know who they are and you're not going to be able to make them shop for a day in court and it may not be worth the money just because someone's stolen your stuff so really um you know the the the, the way that we kind of have to deal with it is is through uh, contacting um, the content hosts. Like if someone steals something on YouTube, you obviously just notify YouTube. If someone steals something on a, on a platform, you notify the platform owners. Um, you, you can certainly have some template 
legal looking threat letters that you send to people over email. And those are low cost. If you just have a few templates of just like, um, I notice you've infringed this, please take it down or I'll take further action. If you have a series of those, uh, that can be uh, quite powerful and, and work better than you think because people are kind of scared when they receive one. Um, in terms of taking it to the next level though and commencing proceedings, there's a big cost jump between those initial threat letters and actually doing something legal about it. And, um, and it can be quite difficult. If it's a big infringement, it's a, a big copycat that, that's cost, that you think there's a lot of money they're making off your IP, it might be worth going to stage two and actually engaging a lawyer. A what little- kind of cost are you? So for example, and I'll give you two examples. So one person, maybe um, somebody ripped their course off and mm-hmm. was pr- like reselling that content exactly how, like exactly what they had shared they were resharing. Otherwise a designer where they've designed, they do custom designs and somebody has basically copied their designs and are now reselling it. So what, and it's like local businesses as well. So it's somebody that, you know, is in, I don't know, New South Wales and you're in Victoria or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're a local business. Well, in those cases, probably the the steps that would be recommended are, um, you know, because they're local, it makes it a little bit easier than some of the issues I mentioned. Mm. Um, you, 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 send them uh, a couple of uh, infringement notices saying this is, uh, you know, um, copying our original content. Um, We request that you take it down. uh, Otherwise, we'll commence further action. Um, And uh, if they refuse to take it down, uh, for those kind of parties, if they're within the same country, you could commence proceedings without too much difficulty against them. And in a small claims court, you could sort of seek uh, either an injunction, which would force them to take down uh, the course or force them to take down um, you know, whatever content that they've got up uh, and and or you can receive certain damages. So um, some of the potential damages that are available are, uh, you know, you can get an account of profits potentially, which means that if they've made money off your IP, you're entitled to whatever money they've made or alternatively damages. So you can say you're, you've damaged uh, my business in or, or me in some certain way and, and, and get that monetized. So those are the amounts you can claim. But then um, the, the legal costs are, to, to get to that point are going to uh, be decent. And I, okay. I can't give you exact numbers, yeah. but you're probably looking uh, minimum sort of 10 to 20K. And so oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, the amount that you're going to get is less than that. Uh, you might want to just consider whether it's worth it. And, and you know, you might go down the route of, of, um, of considering uh, just contacting them and sending them notices and, um leaving notices on their site or, or publicly calling them out and things like that. Um, those could be some of the routes that you take rather than at formal legal proceedings. Yeah. Yeah. But even, uh, you know, like you said, that letter, uh, you know, sort of cease and desist type uh, letter is, can be worth it. And do you think either having that template that comes from you or paying for a lawyer to do it, like either one of those is worth doing? But that step I think is the one that is, is decently worth doing and, um, and, you know, those are very, very effective. And and I think uh, a, a legal letterhead um, is very, very effective. Uh, it's people get very scared when they receive a legal letter, letterhead. Uh, and uh, again, I don't know the percentages, but there would certainly be, at least with trademark infringement, I know that the majority of trademark infringements, once they receive a legal letter, is something like over 50% will cease after they receive the letter, uh, at least in Australia. So they're quite effective. Um, but yeah, I think uh, the cheapest thing to do is to not even have a legal letterhead on it, but it's quite cost effective to get a lawyer to send one. Uh, it's not something that we do, but we have a bunch of partner law firms that send those kinds of letters um, with uh, with 
fairly scary looking wet ahead. So, um, so those can be quite good in those situations. Yeah. Awesome. I think that's a good first port of call if that's something that you're dealing with as well. Well, that has been really helpful, Alex. I think that I just really wanted to make sure that my listeners have kind of got that checklist of some of the key things that they need to be thinking about. And um, I think that once you set it up, it's kind of those foundations, isn't it? Is getting it done right at the beginning or now so that it's something that you can continue to use moving forward. Is it something you need to update on a regular basis or do you feel like they kind of last a fairly Um, long time? They last quite a long time. And, 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 you know, that's why particularly a client terms and conditions, you do that once and, you know, the way at least we design them, they're quite flexible. So even if you do different jobs for different clients, you just use the one document. Laws change, you know, once that that affects small business contracts, I don't know, once once a year or once every two years or maybe even less than that. And and often they don't even affect the terms and conditions that much. So, so yeah, it is a one-off investment. It's not something you need to get rewritten all the time unless your business model changes. Uh, and and it's, it can definitely be worth it. So, um, yeah. Yeah, awesome. And I think one of the things that I liked when I was speaking to one of your team is that I said, well, you know, I've got a brand voice and I, I don't want it to be too jargony. Um, and she said, no, we, we write you know, in a human, human tone of voice, which was like a big deal because it's just like, oh, if I hire somebody, is this going to sound like, you know, 50 million pages of nobody understands? Well, that's, I'm glad you said that. I mean, that's a big sprint law thing is, is, is really um, tailoring the language of a document to be appropriate for, for the client, which is one of the big pain points we heard about existing mm. small business lawyers. I think, you know, particularly your client contract, it's a sales document. It goes with your proposal. It's it's going to be part of what you use to make money. And if you, if the lawyers are giving you a, you know, size 16 font, 37 page document for someone to sign on pen and paper, it's not, no one's going to convert. So, um, so we're, we're kind of across that. And, and uh, I think a big aspect of, of, of particularly with just those client contracts, a big aspect of what you want your lawyers to do and what we try and do is, is actually think about the format and delivery of the document almost as much as the content, you know, and how are we going to lay this out in a way that fits with your process? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. That's so good. Well, Alex, where can my listeners find you? I think one of the things that I did like was that you do um, like, I'll send you what I need and you send me a flat rate quote, which I think for small businesses, you know, you don't have to be scared about getting that quote and finding out what it's going to cost. Um, and I thought it was really reasonable as well. So where can they find out more about you? For sure. I mean, yeah, uh, just head over to our website, sprintmore.com.au. You can submit an inquiry through there or give us a call on our 1-800 number. Um, as you mentioned, the way we work is generally we'll do these fixed quotes. So, you know, you know what you're paying for up front. We kind of try and make it like an e-commerce experience when you work with us. So you pay online and, and everything's sort of done that way. Um, I think what might be helpful for your listeners is just, um, you know, to, to, to know like how much they should be using a lawyer or, or when, wh- when they should feel they need to see a lawyer. And like our view, having worked with small businesses now for about four years is, if, uh, you know, most small businesses will need to do one of these fixed fee projects with us, uh, like a contract set up or a privacy policy. Uh, I don't know, two two to three times a year uh, max and maybe even less than that. Uh, so, you, you know, you don't need to be, um, thinking that you need to be speaking to a lawyer every month. It's just when an item comes up. We, we also have another offering, which is our Sprint Law 
membership offering. Uh, and that's, I think, something like $800 a year, um, which is just, uh, it gives you access to quick calls with our lawyers, quick questions for all the little things, which aren't actually like, I don't need a contract, I just want to ask a lawyer something quickly. And that's something you might need more regularly. So, so uh, a lot of our clients will be on our memberships. Um, they'll use us a couple of times a year for something substantive, and then they can just ask us quick questions. And, and that's kind of how I think small businesses, um, you know, should, should look at how they consume legal services. Yeah, no, I really like the way that you've structured it. I feel like it's really accessible um, and it's easy and it's friendly. And yeah, I thought the process was really good. So, um, so well done you. Thank you. <laughs> well alex thanks so much for being on the podcast and i'm sure that some of my listeners will be getting in touch with you um but we'll have all of your links on the show notes as well so i appreciate your time amazing thanks so much suzanne Well, I hope that that episode was helpful. I think some of the key things that I've definitely taken away and some action points for you as well are to number one, have a template that you can potentially use if you do have any copycats that you see. As Alex said, that is obviously a great first port of call to have that. Um, And then if you do need help and a lawyer to actually send that for you, then get in touch with Sprint Law and they can obviously refer you to some of the lawyers that Alex mentioned that that actually do that for small businesses. But what I would say is, number one, don't be scared to put your stuff out there because, you know, something people who copy, I just think are never going to prosper in the long run because they're not original. They don't know how to create things themselves and people figure it out at the end of the day. Um, And it's just not sustainable for them to do that. So don't hold back just because of other people. The second thing is take action. Like don't be passive about these things. If you think somebody is ripping you off, is stealing your stuff, then approach them and have a civil conversation and make sure that, you know, you've got what you need to back yourself up and uh, and I know that I've seen a number of fashion labels who where they take their own photography have to deal with this issue where other fashion boutiques are stealing their photos um, and so just calling them out can sometimes mean that they don't do it anymore but also don't be afraid to take those initial couple of steps which usually are free if you've got that template Uh, you know, don't sit back and just let stuff happen to you. You have built this business. You have done the work. You've done the hard work, yeah, to get your things where you want them to be and for you to deliver what you deliver to your clients. So don't just kind of be like, oh, well, you know, they've copied or people are going to copy, so I'm not going to do what I do anymore. Be an action taker, yeah? Protect your own work and make sure that you've got that CEO mindset where you're not going to put up with that sort of thing. Uh, So I think that those first couple of steps, if that's something you've dealt with, are definitely worth taking. The second thing is making sure that you've got all of your bits and pieces on your website, terms and conditions, policies, contracts, etc. Make sure that they're done well so that you can protect yourself and make sure that you're creating an experience for your clients that is comprehensive as well. And everybody's clear on what is going to happen and what the terms and conditions and policies are that you have in your business as well. So I hope that that helps. If you've got any questions, then definitely 
connect with Alex. We've got all of their, their links in the show notes as well as some of the free resources that they have. So go and check that out. Well, that's it for another week. It has been amazing to have you here as always. And remember to follow me on all socials at Suze Chadwick. But thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then I would love you to leave a review so that others can find the podcast and come and hang out with us every week. The music to this podcast was created by Ixon on SoundCloud. Until next time, have an awesome week and make sure you keep playing big and branding bold.